Because I mean, like, this is like week two. Welcome to the podcast. If you if you listened last week, this is like part two. This is part two. Here we are. So we're talking about the Bible, and we were talking about every generation being able, like, we're, we can't read it fundamentally. Yeah. Like, from a fundamentalist point of view, thinking that the Bible itself is self-revelatory, and that I just take a very black and white lens to understand what that text is and apply it a to A in a, in a modern context. This yeah. is an ancient piece of literature. It's designed this way. It's an ancient piece of literature that's meant to be interpreted and contextualized in each generation, yeah. right? And it's, there's, this is what, you know, the language that we get in the New Testament about binding and loosening, it's, 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 it's speaking Ooh, to this sort of... I like to say those words, especially I, in Pentecostal churches. Yes. I bind it up in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I sound like them. So you are, um, every generation is grappling with how to embody those things. Yeah. But what I was suggesting is I, this has been a recent sort of discovery for me that I'm still processing through, but yeah. I think there's a more fundamental way of engaging with the Bible that's not just trying to use it in a utilitarian sort of like, how does this apply to my yeah. life today sort of, uh, sort of posture. And yeah. So... I know we were talking earlier uh, when, we were, when we were hanging out. You were saying looking at the Bible more as an experience. Yeah. Okay. You, you, want me just, you want me to you, just unpack you, this yeah, whole thing? Can you thing? unpack it okay. for us? Two things I'll, I want to preface this with. Um, number one, I have to give credit where the credit's due. So yeah. this is not Derek's, you know, yeah, you're not Derek's like the research. past. You're not like people I'm, that do that. I'm leaning heavily into. Uh, I've I've mentioned Rabbi David Foreman in, in our in the first part yeah. of this. Um, Rabbi Rabbi David Foreman um, and uh, another man by the name of Emu Shalev. Mm -hmm. um, Rabbi Foreman founded an organization called Aleph Beta, yeah. A L E P H B E T A dot org. Yeah. Um, he's he's the founding scholar and lead scholar there. Uh, Emu is the CEO, runs the, runs the operations there. Those guys um, released uh, a dial, some dialogue in the form of a podcast recently that has been really um, revelatory for me. Like it's given me language. And I think that's like really great books or great talks, like great teachers aren't always teaching you new information, but they're helping you to unlock things that you yeah. already knew and giving you language for those things. This was very, very much that sort of experience for me, listening to these guys talk through these issues. Um, number, that's the first thing. So I want to give credit to Olive Beta, Rabbi Foreman, and Emu for um, their brilliant work in, yeah. in that. Um, second thing, I'm still processing this. Like it's still, I'm still kind of synthesizing it in myself. And yeah. it, but it, um, it's been really profound for me. So the the. It's it, this, uh, this thing starts within the, in the garden of Eden. So okay. we have the creation stories that happen and then Adam and Eve, the first man and woman are in the garden. And in this garden are a lot of trees, yep. right? God's giving them 
freedom to eat from all of the fruit of these trees. But then there are two special trees in the garden. Mm-hmm. You have a tree of life and you have the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay. Um, Rabbi Foreman in over the course of this makes a very, very compelling case that there in fact are not two trees in the garden, but there are, those two trees are the same tree. And what distinguishes those whether, whether it's a tree of life or whether it's a tree of knowledge um, is how you relate to the tree. Mm-hmm. So you, we know how the, you relate to the tree as a tree of knowledge, tree yeah. of knowledge of good and evil. Eve first eats of the fruit and then gives the fruit to Adam. And you engage with that, with that tree, by eat, the tree of knowledge, by eating its fruit. Mm-hmm. But how do you engage with the tree of life? The tree of life is just meant to be experienced. Mm-hmm. You're just there with it. Um, the rabbis have a lot to say about this as well. And they say that the error on, on Adam and Eve's part in eating from the fruit wasn't, it wasn't wrong so much that they ate the fruit, but it was when they ate the fruit. Yeah. Like they were first meant to just be in the garden with the tree. Mm-hmm. And then eventually at some point in the future, they would have come around to eating from that, from that tree, but that they ate from the tree immediately that was the error of the way, which is kind of confusing. Like, where does that, where does that sort of thing come from? Anyway, we have, so how do you, how do you relate to the tree of life just experientially? Well, we already understand what this is, what this is like when we engage with art. If you go to a movie yeah. and you sit in a movie theater and watch a movie, you don't bring a clipboard and a notepad and write down all of the characters' names and how long each scene was yeah. and how long the dialogue was and, and take notes about how the protagonist is introduced or the antagonist is represented or all of these sort of things. You can take a movie experience and you can tr- kind of, you can try to quantify it in those sort of ways, but that's not how you watch a movie. Yeah. How do you watch a movie? You get a ticket, you sit in the theater and you're just there. Yeah. You just watch it. You're just with it. Yeah. You are immersed into the story. Yeah. When you go to a concert, when you go to an art museum. Yeah. Um, it's we went to ex- a concert together. We sure did. We had a yeah. great time. It was great. It was great. Um, you, you immerse yourself in the experience. Yeah. You and I saw PJ Morton. Oh, like Jesus. when we, so. Such a great I, night I, for I, so I, many reasons. I told some <laughs> friends about that experience. It was a great night. It was a great night. It was an even greater night after the concert too, but that was, was a good that's time. my BSness. No, no, Praise the Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> Robo Shire. Sure. Yeah. Let me tell you something. And this is, I, you don't got to be funny. I got to say something. D-Lo is such a good friend. I was, after the PJ Morton concert, I was going to- You're going to go here? I'm not going to say all my business, but I'm going to kind of say some okay. of it. Um, I was going to make a decision that I, I, probably was not my best decision. And D-Lo was like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? And you are, we all need those friends in life that is, it don't feel judgmental, but they saying, you know you're not making a good decision, but I'm going to drop you off anyway. And D-Lo's a real one. And then the next day I came to his house, and I didn't have to even, even do the walk of shame. I was like, oh, wow, he didn't make me feel bad about my decision. But thank you for being a good friend. I'm sorry, D-Lo. I just felt like I wanted, I I wanted to share that story. You make your own choices. It's fun, you know. Yeah. All good. Unconditional love. Unconditional. Um... Where were we? I'm sorry. Going to a concert. Yes, like I concert. went back and I, I told people about that. Ex- I was telling Kim about it. I yeah. was telling other friends. About, I'm like, cause it was really unique for me. There yeah. was a lot of things about that concert that I had not, I experienced that I had not experienced before. Yeah. And I, I want to relay those to people. And when I'm describing it to camera, I'm describing it to other friends. They're kind of, 
if they have had similar experiences, they were, they kind of got it. Yep. Kim hasn't. And so I'm describing, and she, her eyes kind of glass over, like she's listening and she's interested, but she doesn't really get it. It's yeah. like, how do I convey the experience? Like my yeah. husband was swag surfing. I, I was yeah. doing that. Now everybody knows that. I mean, but, no, was that a secret? No, no. Okay. No. Um, but it was, I, you had to be there. Yeah. If you're going to have the experience, you have to be there. Like, and it's just being there. Like that's the primary way you experience PJ yeah. Morton is in a room with a few hundred people and you are just swept into the moment, yeah, right? You're just there. I can't describe it. I can't quantify it. Could I, can I take some musical notes about decisions that PJ and the band are making in terms of the music or his yeah. songwriting style? Are there things to learn? Yes. Yeah. But you don't go to a concert with a clipboard taking notes. Yeah. Right. Like was that You're that with a four, that with a six? A hundred percent. Like you don't do that. You yeah. can maybe, maybe at some point later, if you're studying music, you come around to a guy like PJ Morton and you can start to dissect some of that music. Maybe. Yeah. Eventually at some point. So that's a very, like if you were doing that, it's a very tree of knowledge way of going to a P like engaging with PJ Morton's music, but a tree of life way is just showing up at the concert and swag surfing and it being immersed into the moment. Of yeah. it. That's the experience of it. Okay. So that's the two trees. You have to experience the, you're, it's, you're designed to experience the tree first. Yeah. And then at some point in the future, you have a more utilitarian relationship with the tree where you can eat of the fruit. You have like, it's giving you something more tangible in that sort of way, but it's critical that we experience that first. So we see that that is not the way that Adam and Eve engage with the tree. They, they go tree of knowledge first, they're eating of the fruit. And in doing so, they miss out on the experience part altogether. Mm -hmm. It's like they don't even know what tree of life means. Mm -hmm. They don't even know what that thing, they, 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 they weren't there long enough to experience it before they ate. They don't even, they missed out on that whole thing. Yeah. And what happens? Like they become a threat. Yeah. God is like, they're becoming like one of us knowing knowledge of good and evil. And if we leave them here, they're going to consume the tree of life. Yeah. Oh, but hold on a second. Because I thought we said the tree of life doesn't have fruit. We're not talking about consuming the fruit of the tree of life. We're talking about consuming the tree of life itself. Yeah. Like what happens if you imagine you're Adam and Eve in this garden and yeah. you're going around and you're eating fruit from all of these trees that are giving you nourishment. And this is nice and it's pleasant and cool of the day. Like all of like, it's just beautiful. And then you engage, like, then you eat from this tree that you you know, you're not supposed to eat this fruit, but you eat from it. And it like does something to you. Yeah. It tr like it opens your mind. Like it, yeah. oh my goodness! Like that is it's intoxicating. Yeah. It you it f you feel powerful, yeah. right? You're gonna go back to that tree mm -hmm. pretty quick, and you're gonna eat another piece, and it's not gonna be enough. And yeah. you're you're gonna go back, and you're gonna keep going back. Adam and Eve are both gonna be going back, and before you know it, all of that fruit is going to be gone. Yeah. What do you do after all of the fruit's gone? You have this tree. There's this like otherworldliness. There's something totally unique about this tree. And thus far, you've just consumed the fruit, but now all the fruit's gone. Yeah. I'm going to start to consume the tree itself. Like mm -hmm. I'm in that word in Hebrew there for consume isn't just to like eat. It's like, I'm going to devour it. Yeah. I'm going to destroy it. Yeah. Because they engaged with the tree first 
in a utilitarian sort. I know this is getting kind of heady. I hope no, people no, are sticking no, with yeah. your, your phone. So instead of relating to the tree and having the concert experience of the tree, that they immediately are taking notes, immediately they're trying to gain tangible things. How does this, you know, it, it, it's giving me something tangible and practical and utilitarian for my life. Now they become a danger to the whole thing because they'll eventually destroy the entire tree. Okay, so let me break this down. So basically what you're saying is if somebody is just trying to get application. We'll get there. Okay. So that's like, let's, so just understanding the trees, if we would experience the tree first, okay. we would have then eating of the tree later. This is the proper way. It's the way the tree is designed to, to, to function. But because they didn't do that, the whole thing gets turned on its head. And because of that, they become a threat to the tree itself and have to be evicted because they from didn't experience the garden because they didn't have the experience of just relating to, to it. the tree. Okay. Like think about how we, how we relate to trees. There's a couple ways, at least a couple ways, but a couple ways that we do relate to them. Some of us are high. We can Not eat, right now, yeah. but some people get high. Well, um, okay. So you have fruit, Yeah. but then there's other ways that we know that we relate to trees by, they are the thing that take, that make air breathable for us. Yeah. Right. So how long could you go without eating a piece of fruit? Forever. You could go, you, you could go the rest of your life without eating yeah. a piece of fruit. How long could you go without taking another breath? <laughs> For the rest of your life too, right? It, <laughs> like considerably shorter, you know, but short. it, it's a much more fundamental way of just experiencing that tree. Yeah. If you destroy that, like that's the way it's designed. So I have to, I relate to it first and then I eat the fruit. Okay. All right, so whatever, trees, right? Here's the really interesting thing. In multiple places mm -hmm. in the Hebrew Bible, the tree of life is either um, compared to or directly equated with the Torah itself. Mm -hmm. The tree of life is equal to the Bible, right? It's, yeah. equal, it's equal to the Hebrew Bible, equal to the Torah. So if we do the algebra here, right, if the Torah is now the tree of life in the like post garden human experience, then it's not just the tree of life, right? There's also a tree of knowledge way of engaging with that, with, with the text, right? So you may see where I'm going here with this. When we engage with the Torah, the, I'm just going to say the Bible. Um, when we engage with the Bible, mm -hmm in a utilitarian sort of way, in a tree of knowledge sort of way, which would be reading the text and asking questions like, well, how does this apply to my life? How can I take the things that I'm observing, learning here, and apply those to, to, to what I'm doing? In the same way you go to a PJ Morton concert and say, well, uh, PJ's making some really interesting musical decisions. His songwriting's got some cool elements to it. Like, how can I apply... PJ Morton songwriting tactics and yeah. musical song structure to my own musical writings and stuff like that. If I prioritize engaging with PJ Morton in that way, I've totally missed it. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know anything about PJ Morton yet because yeah. I haven't experienced it. Right. Yeah. I have to experience it first yeah. before I'm extracting any sort of practical utilitarian value. The Bible is designed to work this way, but that's not how we in my experience, and I think for a lot of other folks in, the, in, in other parts of the Christian world, and, and 
I think two even in the Jewish world. So Rabbi Foreman and Emu are obviously from the from the Jewish world. Um, we are very conditioned to engage with the biblical text in a very tree of knowledge sort of posture. We've missed the experience of the text. Yeah. That's really profound to me, right? When, and because when we do that, when we prioritize just using the text in a way that is going to give direct benefit to my life, right? It gives a legal, like it, maybe it can offer a legal framework. Maybe yeah. it gives me some moral guidance in my life. But that is a secondary value yeah. in what the text is trying to tell us. First, experience it. Yeah. Be with it. And I would say this is where it's like, it's a, it gets a little tricky talking with my Christian friends who come from the same sort of world that I came from. Yeah. You and I were talking about this before um, in the car. Like we, our tradition hasn't afforded us very compelling experiences with the text because we have, we've, we've sanded down all of the edges. We've yeah. answered all of the questions, but it's, it's in the, it's in the unresolvedness in the tension state, in the interconnected thing that you can really only access when you stop trying to read answers into the text, but just pay attention to how the text is working in itself, that this magic eye-ness, this, th this multi-dimensional thing starts coming up from the text that is something to really experience. Yeah. That's the thing that I, I have... I've discovered. So listening to those guys talk about that over the length of this podcast, um, it's, they're describing an experience that I've had. Like I've yeah. lived that sort of experience. I didn't have language for it like before, but I've, I've got that language. My hope is, is to foster those sort of experiences, to show yeah. people not the two-dimensional, you know, vibrant color and flat, you yeah. know, magic eye book, but to teach them how to see it. Yeah. And to discover the multidimensional thing, there is a whole experience to be had that is not unlike a PJ Morton concert or a great film or an art gallery or any other, any other piece of art. Like it, it is, it's just magnificent. It really is. It's yeah. so compelling. There's so much going on there. And the last thing that you do when you experience that is be like, well, how does this apply to my life? It's yeah. like you just... Holy smokes, man. Like that, it's so profound. It's so enlightening. It's so, it's so riveting. And there are times, like I can see my own story in, in the lives of these characters. Yeah. There are I times that life, I get... I see my life in PJ's music. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I don't want to go through your phone. I don't... I don't want to go through but your that phone. comes second, right? Yes, it comes second. It to doesn't the come until yes. you've already bought the concert ticket and you're in the room at Crescent Ballroom and the whole thing is happening. And then yeah. all of a sudden the band gets quiet and he's singing this intimate lyric and you're Ooh. like, dude, that guy, he, that's my voice right there. That's my I story. Feel it. Yeah. Like that's my thing. And it give maybe the way that PJ's writing that song or talking about that relational component gives you a different perspective on that same sort of dynamic. It's like, man, that guy sounds like he's talking like me. But then at the end, he kind of, he takes a different turn than I took. Yeah. Wow. Like that's a different, 
That's and a whole eventually different... it changes you. It can change. That's you know what I, I mean. I remember yes. when I first heard that song, yeah. and I know I know I'm kind of because you know I like to break things down where it's experience. It's, I I get it more. Yeah. Like when I first heard that song, I was like, no, I want to go through somebody's phone. Yeah. Like why why the hell wouldn't I go through somebody's phone if it's there? Yeah. But then when I really heard the lyrics, I don't want to go through your phone. I don't I don't want I don't think need to know what's going on up Which in there. Which kind of suggests Some things are better left there unknown. There was a time that I did want to go through your phone, and now I have evolved in my own humanity to realize I, as much as there is a part of me that wants to do that, I actually don't want, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, because I experience, yes. oh my gosh. Right. I it's, think it finally clicks now even more than it did in the car. Cause that's I, cause we're talking about PJ Morton. Yeah, like I mean, may, you, but it, look, like here's the thing you, we already know how to engage other parts of the world this way. Yeah. When it comes to art, this is how we engage with art all the time. We experience it. Maybe it has a more utilitarian application at some point yeah. later, but you don't start, you definitely don't start there. But if a lot of times churches there, start there. Like, it's, the, it's in my experience, it's the only place they start. And what happens? They begin, it, it begins to devour itself. Yeah. They begin to crush the whole thing. Yeah. You go to some of these churches, Renault, like the Bible is nothing more than they've read all of their ideology into the text. And the Bible has become reduced to just something that supports everything that they claim to be true. Yeah. There, it is, it's chilling. There yeah. is a scene, this is a little poignant. So pardon me if this is a little bit too. Um, you are on the not too heavy. church. Hey. Oh, it's, I mean, you mean heavy. Okay. There's an example of this dynamic in a very, extreme sort of sense, okay. but maybe not so extreme, and particularly in terms of how the Bible is being used to dehumanize folks like, like homosexuals, yeah. right? There's a scene in the movie, 12 Years a Slave, without giving the movie away, like there's this man who um, gets, who was a free man and gets, um, gets kidnapped and basically taken to the South and he becomes this slave and he keeps getting sold from one owner to another. And eventually he lands with um, this plantation owner played by Michael Fassbender. And this is the cruelest of all of the slave owners that have owned him yeah. up until this point. And the first scene that you have of Michael Fassbender is him standing on his porch, addressing these slaves. Yeah. And he's, and he's addressing them with his Bible open. Yeah. And he says, and they, you know, and he shall obey his master, and the slave shall obey his master. Yeah. And if he doesn't, he will be met with many lashes. And then he closes the book. And then he says, did you hear that? Many lashes. Right? He's reading the Bible wow. as something that supports slave ownership and abusing to the point of potentially murdering these slaves. Wow. Right? Yeah. That's not so unlike the way, the very, very abusive, subjective ways that these evangelical churches are using women the Bible. Women can't preach or women can't, yeah. It becomes, it, the Bible is nothing more in these places, in my experience, right? I'm not trying to make universal statements about all Christianity yeah. or even all evangelicalism everywhere. I don't have all that experience. In my experience, those churches aren't concerned at all about what the Bible is trying to offer on its terms. They've already drawn conclusions about what it said. They're reading those conclusions into the text. And when you do that, 
over a period of time, a long time, you just, you become a, a threat to the tree itself. Yeah. You've got to be removed from the garden because you have, you've complete, not only have you not prioritized experience, you don't even know how to experience it. Yeah. It's only utilitarian. And that's the thing that happens when you go to the fruit first, instead of experiencing, respecting it, being with it, acknowledging that it has value beyond the utilitarian offerings that it may have for you. You just have to be with it. But then is it even a religion? Is what a religion? If you go through, if you go look at it through experience, because it's like, would you even have application to teach? Exactly. Right. Like that's kind of, we all, I was, Nate and I were having a little bit of this exchange earlier today. Like, um, we only have the idea of religion since the founding of Christianity a few thousand years ago. Yeah. Before that, it was just groups of people in different regions of the world who were grappling with what sense to make of the universe. Yeah. There seems to be some sort of divine power or divine powers at play. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to negotiate my relationship with, the, with this divine power and the earth and yeah. all of these forces. There's all of these questions and like the, everything is a mystery to me. It's like I don't understand anything. And they're just trying to make sense about these things. Yeah. And so they, they craft narratives and those narratives get honed and, and you know, I'm, I'm oversimplifying and to, to some extent, but we don't have the, I, like all of those things were regional stories that were being handed down from one generation to the next. And Christianity, it changed, it, it changed the game a few thousand years yeah. ago. And there's a lot of other, you know, influences to things that were happening in that region of the world at the time, but it, it became something that wasn't designated to a particular region and it's like the idea of religion was born yeah so it's yeah i'm going a bunch of different directions here but again i'm less interested in your religious identity like we were talking about this earlier too like i kind of take exception if people ask me if i'm a christian yeah because you're asking me that question this is what i would say to somebody who's asking me if i was a christian i think maybe in a previous season, you might've asked me this question yeah. and I, I would have, I've responded to it differently. This is how I would respond to it now. And you um, can change your mind. You, can, you may come back another day. Next, yeah. <laughs> if you have me back season four or whatever, it'll be different. Um, I take exception with the question now okay. because that question has a, you, I'm, my assumption of you is that you're asking that question because there's a lot of assumptions that you assign to Christian, to Christianity or to, to being a Christian that you want to either qualify me for being or disqualify me from being like, so if I say I'm a Christian, you can import all of these other assumptions about who I am. Yep. But here's the thing. None of those assumptions are at play. There are probably aspects to the Christian thing that all those assumptions that you would have that I might still hold on to. And there's a lot of it that I would distance myself from, but to say I'm a Christian or I'm not a Christian it, it's too vague of a question. Like yeah. instead ask me something more specific. Ask, you know, I'm less concerned about a clear cut religious identity. I'm, I'm just following the breadcrumbs. Right. Yeah. So would you say you're a child of God? Like you, you believe in Jesus? Like, I mean, or you just don't care, or you don't, you're less concerned about being, cause you know, I want to, I'm a child of God. You know, I love Jesus. That's great. 
I that the language around those sort of ideas is more complicated for me now. Yeah. And I'm I, compelled by the Bible. I think it has a lot of truth. I think there is, it is a incredible thing to behold it when you, and I feel like I'm just, it's like my eyes are just starting to come into focus and starting to see some of some just little glimpses of this multidimensionalness that is in yeah. the text. And I, it takes my breath away. Lit, like it's emotionally moving for me. Wow. I have a group of people that I've met with um, for the last three years. Yeah. And we engage with some of this content, that teaching that helps kind of move us in this directive yeah. direction. And then we get online once over Zoom, once, once a week, and we talk about it. We yeah. talk about our experience and we're listening to each other's experience. So yeah. now it's not just experience that I'm having. It wouldn't be any fun to go to a PJ Morton concert if you were the only person in attendance. Part of the thing is yeah. that you are sharing the experience. It's a shared experience. This group is having this sort of shared experience yeah. around this text. And I, it has been the most life-giving Bible study, religious experience, like whatever sort of Small like descriptive. Yeah. Like whatever e you want to describe it has been, it's been the most elevating life-giving thing like this that I've ever been a part of ever. Like, and I know that's, that sounds like hyperbole. I mean it. Like yeah. it's been community other world. It's another, it's, it's like we're at a, we are flying at a different altitude yeah. and it's, it's beautiful. And it's just, it, we didn't have language for this, you know? And now it's like, Oh no, we are, what we've been doing. We've stumbled into this thing of just experiencing it. We're not rushing to be, to assign meaning and to, uh, and, and to draw direct lines of application from the Bible into our life in a really utilitarian. Like so there are sometimes we get to that point. It's like, oh man, that idea, that sort of lens, that ex I'm, the way I'm seeing that now causes me to think that maybe I'm going to reorder how I'm thinking about yeah. these sort of things morally. Like I've, I'm thinking differently. I'm changing my mind about what is moral or immoral based upon that text. But I don't start there. That comes maybe at some other point, right? Yeah. We'll get to it if we get to it, whenever we get to it. But the point, the whole thing is just to have the experience and to have it together. Yeah. So. That's really good. So now, now that you said all that, I do wonder if there are some things that maybe you have shared with me, like maybe through Marco Polo, did those things come from a lot of doing that work? Sure. Like yeah. I know, remember I remember one time you shared with me that everything's a season, mm. and so did that come from you doing the work of unpacking and seeing, experiencing the text, and you living in that? I, probably on some level, like I didn't have language for it, and but yeah, I guess so. Like on some on some level, that's been that's been that thing. Um, if I could, like, you would ask me at the very beginning about what I, I just talked about my family when I was given my bio, yeah. but like, I didn't talk about what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Um, we are launching a, a brand new organization. Period. Um, Come on, celebration. Called Sojourn. Hey. Um, I'm so churchy. I clapped in the mic. Sojourn is what we are venturing to do is to facilitate these sort of experiences for small groups of folks. Yeah. Um, there's not 
we don't have any public face right now. I don't have a website to point you to. I don't have like, but um, I'll tell you, there's a lot of intense de- things that are happening on the front end of development. We hope to have, hope, hopefully by this summer, this fall, we'll yeah. have some, some, some form of a public face and we'll, 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 we'll have some things to start sharing. Um, but we, the, the essence of what we're trying to do is to facilitate these sort of experiences for folks yeah. with, with a particular focus on, on folks who have, who are, are um, disaffected from the Christian world or deconstructed outside of that world. And um, I'm real, real excited about it. So that's the part of the reason I'm so passionate and maybe I, I and maybe have more bandwidth to investigate some of these things and, and all of that stuff, because I'm, it, it is something that's getting my full-time attention. Yeah. Um, I feel like I won the lottery that this is the thing I'm getting to focus my life on right now, but yeah. we're, um, we're real excited about what we're building with Sojourn. It's taking a lot of time. The scope of it's pretty significant, but yeah. um, there's some really exciting things coming. Uh, I know that for people listening, as I'm describing the Bible in this way, it would be kind of like, <laughs> I'm describing something that it, it just feels very abstract. Yeah. And it's not, there's not something clear cut for me to point to point you to. Um, we're working really fast to try to change that and to facilitate yeah. those sort of experiences for people who are interested in that sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, yeah. I was in one of the practice groups and I'm not even a person that is really like a, I don't consider myself to be like some theologian thinker, uh, like, you know, like D'Lo and Nate and, you know, some of my other friends, but I really was impacted by it. I think having conversations and even hearing other people's opinions is like, I was like, oh, like I get it. Like it clicks. And I think if you do it with the right people uh, in those safe spaces, you can learn a lot. You can glean just from conversation. And I I think uh, in the church, a lot of things have been so dogmatic when we don't always agree. Cause I, even in our, in our, in our test group, um, that we done Marco Polo, like everybody didn't agree on everything, mm-hmm. but it never felt dogmatic. It never felt like, oh, like I'm wrong because I think this or you're wrong because you think it felt like, oh, we're having a genuine conversation. And I think, I don't know. I just feel like in a lot of religious spaces, it's like we point fingers like, oh, they're right. They're wrong. They're on this side. They're, you know what I mean? But it's like, yeah. no, it's, I, it's just not about, and I, I don't know. I feel like as I get older, I realize it's just not about being right or wrong. Yeah, it's not. It's learning how to, it, it, one of the negative impacts for me coming out of evangelicalism is that I was conditioned to think to, when I thought about people who believed things that were different than the things that I believe was to demonize those people or to belittle their perspective or yeah. their ideas and really it's my ideas that are true and it's my job. I mean, it's where it's evangelism, right? It's like, I've got to persuade you to, to think what I think and believe what I believe. And if you don't, you're going to hell. Like that's a, that is a just total, it, it, it's poison for your mind, yeah. right? Like it's poison for and how you're you, not God. So how you go to they're going to hell if God created hell. I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know if I believe, I, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about something else. You know, but me, it's, I don't um, like to share my opinions. It, it's learning how to listen to people, not to qualify what they're saying, but to listen from the posture of trying to understand their point of view. Yeah. It's a powerful shift, man. But that's these sort of groups 
are going to be designed to help facilitate that sort of engagement. Yeah. I, I'm taking a shift here. Uh, D'Lo, you t- I, one thing about D'Lo that I love about D'Lo is that he knows how to listen. And when I say listen, like earlier on on the, on the first part of this, uh, on, on part one, uh, I said, Holy Spirit. I said, the Spirit, you feel like the Spirit was leading you. And I said, I know you may not use that word, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I think you have developed a skill that a lot of people don't have. And I think it's so valuable. Like where you can listen and hear my vernacular and put it in your head and get what I'm saying and be like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? Where does that stem from? Again, I think it's connected to this, yeah. to this journey. I, yeah. It's, I don't know that it's something that I have like a particular gift that not a lot of other people have. I think it's more that you don't, you haven't experienced that with very many people. It's because most of those, like what percentage of those people come from the evangelical world? I mean, that was my whole life. Yes. And everyone in that world, in my, in the, my experience in that world is conditioned to not do that. You, you listen from the posture of qualifying them. Are they going to say the right things? Do they believe the right things? Do they, have they accepted Jesus? Yeah. Oh, they must be lost. Like that poor guy is talking about Allah or he, you know, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's telling Buddhist parables or he like, you're quali- like, oh no, no, no. Like that stuff's demonic. You know, yeah. like they're not, you're not saying the right thing. So I'm not listening to you trying to understand. I'm listening to you qualifying what you're saying to decide if you are on my team or not. Yeah. And if you're not on my team now, now the game is now the whole mode of our relationship is going to be about me getting you on my team. Yeah. Getting you to stop saying and believing the things that you're saying and believing right now and to start using my vernacular and subscribe to my ideology. Yeah. So I, I think all you're saying, like, I, and I, I thank you for the compliment. I'm, I'm just learning how to not do that. I was having that conversation with Nate too. And we like, you recognize our bent towards that, like our tendency towards that. And it's not because we're bad people. It's just, we come from a world that has conditioned us. And it's not just like in my generation, it's like, it was my parents, their whole generation, my grandparents. Yeah. Like, and it's not malicious it's just like this is how this is all we've known this is what was represented to us of how what it means to be human and how to navigate these sort of things yeah you don't we miss there are some benefits to it right i i'm i'm ragging on the evangelical world a lot yeah there are there are redemp like there are positive aspects yeah. to that world i mean i love the world you I'm, know i, I yes. mean i don't know if i love it these days i grew but. up in a christian home both of my grandparents were lifelong pastors I, I feel like I'm the luckiest guy. Amen. Like me, the Christian world is my access point to this. Yeah. I, if, it's, if it's not for that, I don't have this yeah. access. So I'm still working out my relationship with that world. Yeah. I'm recognizing, and it's, maybe it's kind of like throwing rocks at a glass house. Like it's, I, can, I can see ways that it was, there's a lot of stuff I'm having to unlearn. Yeah. There's a lot of ideas that I am but having I wouldn't, to but sift out of. I, I don't know. You would, I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for that world, I would not exactly. have a podcast called Not Safe for Church 100%. if the church did not form me yes. and raise me. And like, yeah. I wouldn't be on the spiritual journey that I am if it wasn't for that, the whole mechanism of the church and that, and that whole world. So um, I, totally, I totally recognize that. Yeah. Um, 
but there are, we're just trying to, yeah, I, I think just learning how to listen, coming it, back to your question, that's the, it's, it, it is a, it, it seems like a very natural thing that any, this is not language that we might say to ourselves, like, well, any decent person yeah. would just listen to you and try to understand what you're saying. But when you are, um, like you are encouraged to not do that yeah. in the world that we come from. Yep. You're incentivized to not do that. Like you Stay are the course a hundred percent. Like you've got a to toe that's because we have an exclusive faith. We like everybody needs to be on team Jesus. Like it, cause if you're not, you're screwed, right? Like yeah. it just, um, I am team Jesus. That's okay. Yeah. Right. But you're not, <laughs> but, but you've said it multiple times tonight. Like you're not exclusive about it, right? That's your yeah. team. And you, you represent yeah, it well. Care. Like you don't have to represent 100%. it. Like, yeah, like do you yeah. boo, but I'm yeah. going to represent. And That's I also it. am wise enough to know that I am choosing to believe in Jesus. I am choosing to make that. That's a lot of maturity on your, you part, know what I mean? Though. Like I'm not, uh, yes, yeah. it's faith. I'm faith is believing. So I'm believing that it's Jesus. That wasn't Renault from, the, it was not. Cause I remember ago, when I first met you, ago. I thought you were, I never, I didn't think you were crazy, but I remember when you like started saying certain things to me and I was like, Okay, I was like, oh, oh, this is different. Yeah, but I think when you built, what happened is I end up having so much experience with you, and I mean, I think when we first met, uh, I was gonna leave. I, I didn't want to be in the program that I was in because I felt like I didn't see a lot of me there, yeah. and I didn't know how I could become the worship leader that I felt like I was gonna be. Yep. And so when I was in that program. I was like, oh, this is not for me. But literally, Devo takes me to Chick-fil-A, gives me a $50 gift card to Chick-fil-A. And like, I'm in like trying to get whatever master's degree, whatever. It's, if I really, let me shut up. Yeah, I was trying to get this little thing, right? And that was a lot of money. Like, I just could not believe somebody I don't know. He knows I love Chick-fil-A and he gives me this. Mm. And that relationship equity was like, okay. Yep. And then when I would talk to him, I felt comfortable. Like I could be honest, I could be real. And I was having this experience with you that made me trust you. Yep. Like you didn't, I was like, okay. And then when we started having deeper conversations and even I would have conversations with you where I would be like, I wonder, I'm going to see if he's really real. Like, is this going to end up somewhere else? Yep. It never ended up somewhere else. So I was like, oh, he's trustworthy. And so that relationship was able for me to hear other things you said and be like, okay, I agree. With that, I don't agree with that. And I was able to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's really all like, <laughs> it kind of all fall. Like when you explain what you were explaining earlier, it's, that's life. Yeah. Like when you start with experience, you can hear things differently or see things differently. I hope I'm not making it, it changes. Too. It changes your outlook on the whole thing. Yeah. If you if you come to the world with like, where's my fruit? Yeah. Like, where is the th stuff that I need? I need a house. I need food. I need shelter. I need money. I need a job. Like, if that's your inherent posture to the world, you're just gonna devour it. Yeah. You're gonna destroy. It. Like, it, but if you recognize that you are here. Yeah. In the moment. And right now in this moment, which is really, this is like Eckhart Tolle, the power of now. Like the only thing we ever have is the moment that we are in right now. Yeah. The past is done. 
the future hasn't happened. We we only have this right now, and it's like just a perpetual line, like of moments yeah. and, and of nows. Like that's all we ever have, and right now, I've got everything that I need. Yeah, I lack for nothing. The future may be trying to tell me a different story, or my past might be trying. Like, but here's the truth: the truth of it is, I am. I'm fully sustained in the moment. And now I can, I'm just, I can experience that, right? If I come to the world from that posture, That's right? So now I'm not scrambling to try to, like, look, man, I'm saying this in the mirror right now because I'm, we've been, navig- my family's been navigating some pretty uncertain times the last three years. Yeah. Like, and it, I've opened up some about that with you. Like, um, there's plenty for me to kind of freak out about right now. And I'll be honest, I spend a lot of time freaking out about it. You know, but I. But right now, when I'm prioritizing the experience, I have everything that I need. That I need to hear that today. Everything I lack for nothing, and that's it's kind of always the case in the moment of now, right? It's really um, ah, the name of the book is um, huge book, and now I'm I'm blanking on the name, but um. There is a name. I must not have been supposed to say it. So there um, is a name. But uh, anyway, there's yep. there's some compelling stories out there of people who have found the ability to embrace their sustenance in the moment that they are in, even when the world around them is chaotic and it's they're they're surrounded by death and decay. They can still find sustenance in the moment that they're in and find peace in the moment, like recognizing that I already have everything that I need. I lack for nothing. That's so good. You don't get that. If you have a utilitarian, if you, if you come initially from a utilitarian point of view, like I've got to get the thing. Yeah. 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 I'm lacking. Cause you're, here's the, you're always going to be lacking. You can't fill that cup. Yeah. You can't fill it. You will eat all the fruit and then you'll destroy the tree. Right. Just like learning how to experience life. I don't think it just applies, like we're kind of getting to that point. It doesn't just apply to the Bible. It applies to life. It's just kind of like Like relationships, right? 20 years of marriage ain't easy. Yeah. You know, Kim, we could do a whole nother deal and have Kim and I I, tell some stories. Come on, Kim, tell the stories. Tell the thesis. It's, um, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. And there are it, like, there were times that it would be easier just to move on. Yeah. Right. But you can, if you have that sort of posture, like I need from you, you're not giving me, I, you know, like what, like it's just this sort of, I'm prioritizing the, 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 the practical utilitarian yeah. sort of needs. Like, it's not that those things don't exist. I'm foregoing the experience of sharing my life with this beautiful woman. Yeah who's incredible and in and, and she's and she loves me mm-hmm. and I love her and the, yeah. like we have a partnership and we get to parent these children together and we have everything that we need I may not know how the future is going to play itself out but I'm when I just stop and I breathe I just experience the thing oh I'm I'm actually good I'm okay. I don't know how it's going to, like, I'm I'm fully sustained. Wow. Kim and I don't lack for anything. In this moment, That the truth of it is, we're good. 
right? It's, again, I'm still, this is all pretty new for me. Like I'm still synthesizing it in my own, in my own mind, but it's been really profound. Thanks for letting me, indulging me with uh, fleshing it out a little bit and talking about it. Yeah, that was just so good. Like, cause I know I I was sitting here like the other day, I was thinking like, man, when I get paid on this day, da, 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 da. You know what I mean? But it's like, in this moment, I have everything I need. And when I think like that, I don't have those worries. I don't have those, I don't have those fears. And, and you know, I know I could, I know we joked about hymns last night, but it's kind of like, you know, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, your hand hath provided, great is thy faithfulness. Yeah. And like, for me, that means a lot. Like, you know, it's but, <laughs> but it's like, man, like, I have everything I need. Like, I don't need a relationship. I don't need, like, in this moment. And I can't tell you that. You have to feel it. Yeah. You, like, your body needs to know it. You have to, you have to experience that. Like, you're having a moment right now where you're like, oh. Ah, I'm. I can let, I can let all that other, like, actually in the moment, I have everything. I already, I have everything. It's like the whole universe is at my fingertips. I'm already in full. I'm my cup is full. Yeah, I'm good. Wow, Dilo, that was wow. I wasn't expecting that. I think. What is something you would you know? I think that sometimes evangelicals could listen to this and they feel like, man, he came for me. Like, what can they do to start doing the work? Just keep going. Do the next right thing that you know to do. Try to elevate the people around you. Keep truth rise under scrutiny. Don't be afraid to test things. Yeah. Truth is like a diamond. Like the more you chisel at it, the more you drive into it, it doesn't diminish the brilliance of the diamond. It does the exact opposite. It becomes more brilliant. It becomes a purer version of itself. Yeah. Um, and don't do it alone. Yeah. It, um, you can go crazy. You, it can be maddening. Um, <laughs> find people that you can, that, that are, that are doing the same sort of work. Yeah. And do it together. Find a, find a way to do it together. There's not a right way to do it. There's not a wrong way to do it. Just keep going. Yeah. I think I always I always tell Dilo about the story. I remember uh, when I was uh, when I was 24 in the pandemic, I was trying to figure out like my sexuality and what I was gonna do. And it was like four people that I like I that I looked up to, and they all had told me like Renaud, if you're gay, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Four people spiritual people that I look up to good godly people that I think are godly and I think that if I did not have those people helping me do the work I I, I remember the first time I heard it I started going crazy like I was on, in counseling with my counselor Janine I was like Janine I don't know what to do this is I've never heard this before and I, I, I just like this is too much for me like yeah. my whole world is <laughs> And for two years, like, I was trying to figure that out. But if I wouldn't have had, and, and the reason why I share that, I'm not just sharing that just to tell my business, but, like, is you have to have the people in your life 
to help you navigate these conversations and navigate. And I've even had people who agree with me, disagree. Like, I want to get all perspectives so I can make good, clear decisions. And I'm okay with saying, like, man, this is my decision today. And maybe tomorrow it could look different. Yeah. Because you can change your mind when you get new information. I I stopped keeping track of how often I was changing my mind about yeah. it. Like, it's the only thing that is inevitable for me. It's like, I know that uh, my... I'm my life is constantly being it's like these slight recalibrations yeah. in light of new discoveries yeah. or new experiences and I'm j- again it's I I keep using that analogy of just following the breadcrumbs I don't know where the destination is I'm not work I'm not living for the hope of heaven <laughs> I'm not um I'm just I'm I'm just Ooh, I'm just taking a step yeah I'm going to go one step today and I, tomorrow I'm committing to going another yeah. And wherever the breadcrumbs lead me, I, I'll know where I'm going when I get there. Yeah. And I don't have, I'm not, this isn't, and it's not intuitive for us to do this. I'm not navigating the journey with the destination in mind. Yeah. I'm navigating, I'm, I'm not only am I prioritizing the journey, I'm saying that the only thing that there is, is the journey. Yeah. And if this leads to some final destination, then I'll know that when I get there. Yeah. But in the meantime, I'm just going to, keep going yeah and I've lived that like I literally my I was like I want to be a worship leader and make this much money I did that I want to do a podcast I want to do three seasons I did that you know what I mean and so I I think I'm finally starting to realize like I don't need a blueprint I don't need to like like literally what you're saying follow the breadcrumbs every day and the breadcrumbs will lead me to the next thing or whatever the thing is Man, Dilo, I'm so happy. Man, you were on. I mean, this has been, whoa, this was good. You know, I mean, I think I do a lot of episodes, but this is really good. This is really, it's thought provoking. Yeah. It's, it makes people think. And uh, I mean, that's just who you are. So I'm grateful you're here. Thanks for, I mean, you invited me. Thanks for trusting me. 49 right. and 50. So I think, I don't, I think I want, yeah, this will be 49 and 50 when I'm counting all my episodes. Like crazy. That's a big deal, man. It, it's a, That's a lot of hours. Yeah. That's a lot of breadcrumbs. A lot of breadcrumbs. You've come, you've come a bit, come, come pretty far. We were talking about that earlier yeah, too. Yeah, I mean. come oh, pretty far. Yeah, my, in the beginning of my podcast, I, it was a lot of just, I don't know, I won't say nasty, but it was a lot. I was saying a lot of things. But also, you evolve, you change. Yeah. You know, I think uh, in the beginning, I was trying to prove myself as like this Christian, but like I can do whatever the hell I want to do. But then like, I don't know, I just stopped. I, I don't I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Like I am who I am. I'm gonna say this. I admire you. I love you and I admire you. I think that what you are doing, with, I mean, with the podcast and in the way that you are living your life right now, discovering who you are authentically and negotiating with yourself and the world around you of how to live that transparently in a way that is elevating and helpful for folks. You, you don't, you don't get there without vulnerability. Right. And so, and being vulnerable means you go too far or you say something hurtful or somebody hurts you or like those sort of things. None of that stuff has put you back into the box. Like you are finding your way on the outside of this. And 
that is incredibly helpful and validating and healing for a lot of folks who are listening and are watching and will never say anything to you about that. Like, I admire you for the work that you're doing on yourself and being so vulnerable to make that thing visible to people because you, you're, you're navigating... You're navigating an experience that is not something that you wish that I bet that you wish that there was somebody else that you could watch that was that's navigating the journey that you're that you're navigating now, like two years ago, right? When you were still grappling with your place in the church world and your sexuality, like all of that stuff. If you had somebody that was a step or two ahead of you in that particular vein, it would have been great for you to have found that right and now you are being the thing that you wish that you would have had right yeah. that's so healing man i admire you for what you're doing and i'm squarely in your corner and excited to be able to support you in any way that i can now man dilo thank you oh god i get a so emotional i'm so i hate that about me ew oh god all right dilo i love you thanks for coming mm-hmm. on you know you're my guy um yeah i just man i'm so grateful I'm so grateful. And um, I always, I have like divine moments with people. And I remember when I met D'Lo, I shook his hand and it was kind of like the, a movie, like where you're like, man, something is happening here. Like, and I remember looking down cause I saw your tattoos. You had just got yeah, your tattoo yeah. at that point. And I was like, I don't know, but this feels really right. And I wasn't going to do the program until I met you. And I don't know what it was. It wasn't that you said anything great. It was just like, this just feels right. Like when I shook your hand, it felt right. And I think for me, that has been the thing in this relationship and friendship that I've been able to hold on to because I remember that. And it's like, something was special there. And so I feel like that was God telling me I could trust it. You know what I mean? God was like, okay, you can trust him. Like he's not, you know, and I think I I had to have that experience because how I was raised would be like, this man's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get, no. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, yeah, it, it feels really divine. It, it it feels really divine. Well, I'm glad you answered it the way that you did. My life is richer and fuller because of it. And uh, look at you now, you know. Crazy. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. Well, saints and friends, uh, you've watched episode uh, I think this is episode 50. I'm going to start counting them differently. I'm going to start changing how I do it. But um, this episode 50, uh, what am I going to say at the end? All right. I would like to thank my sponsors and my co-hosts, Derek Logan, and remind you to like, comment, and subscribe. I want to thank Claiborne Urban Loops. Remember to subscribe and share. It's totally free. And uh, you can give and receive. Come on, I need to raise money for season four. Give and receive. Hallelujah. Follow us on IG at NSFC Podcast. Till the next time, Jesus is for everybody. <laughs> he's for everybody. I believe he's for everybody. You ain't got to accept them. Do you, Do you, boo? But I love them. Period. <laughs>